We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back like we never left. What's going on, Oregon fans? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. In case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. Glad to have you along, however you're tuning in, whether it be on the podcast platform. I couldn't decide whether I wanted to say podcast or audio platform. So whether you're tuning in on the podcast platforms or if you're here live on YouTube, at Oregon Football Max Torres. We appreciate you stopping by and taking some time out of your day to talk some Oregon football. This is our second episode of the day. We were live earlier today to talk about Oregon wide receiver Dante Thornton entering the transfer portal, um, and he is the second big name to enter the transfer portal, um, joining Seven McGee. That was during the season, and then you also had Byron Carwell, uh, announced that he was going to be in, entering the transfer portal earlier today as well. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and give it a listen, give it a watch. That's also on my YouTube channel. So now in today's episode, we're going to be tackling one of the big headlines that came out of the weekend. Uh, we all know that Kenny Dillingham has since taken the head coaching job at Arizona State. And now Oregon finds themselves in a... Uh, a bit of a tricky situation. They're looking for uh, another offensive coordinator for the second straight year with uh, Joe Moorhead, of course, going off to become the next head coach at Akron last year following Mario Cristobal's departure. Um, so that was uh, something that they had to figure out. They brought in Kenny Dillingham and and now they're looking for a new head co- or new um, offensive coordinator, excuse me. And I think one of the funny things about this is there were some people that were definitely skeptical of Kenny Dillingham, as I have a kind of a bad hair day, I'm trying to get this thing figured out. But people were kind of skeptical of Kenny Dillingham, I feel like, when he first got hired or when his name was linked to the job because he was a young guy, had never had uh, you know a full season as a play caller. Um, and I thought that that was, was definitely interesting because I think back to it now that Oregon is in this search for a new offensive coordinator – and Kenny Dillingham is the new head coach at Arizona State. Granted, I think that that was a very special circumstance because you know he was an Arizona native. Uh, the the program's in shambles right now, and uh, who knows what's gonna what the impact and consequences are going to be with that uh, ongoing NCAA investigation for um, for uh, NCAA recruiting violations during the COVID nineteen pandemic during the Herm Edwards tenure. So what we're gonna do. What we're going to do in this episode of the podcast, we're going to go ahead and talk about some possible names for candidates to become Oregon's next offensive coordinator. The timing of this search is pretty crucial uh, for Oregon um, and for a couple of reasons, right? I think obviously everyone has their attention centered on that early signing period, which is less than a month away now. That's supposed to start uh, on December 21st. I believe the early signing window, early signing period is December 21st through December 23rd. So right now, Oregon's looking for an OC, and they're hoping that that OC can help them keep this uh, offensive class together in 2023 with Dante Moore, of course, being the headliner of that class. And oftentimes, the offensive coordinator has some kind of a role with um, with the quarterbacks. Or in Kenny Dillingham's case, he was also the quarterback's coach for Oregon. So... I'm going to go through some names that we've kind of seen floating around there. I want to get some comments and questions if I can. 
Um, so make sure you guys hop in the live chat or hop in the comments and let me know what your thoughts are on Oregon's offensive coordinator search. Maybe some names that you're seeing pop up or ones that kind of pique your interest, maybe worth looking into. Uh, and I'll do my best to get to them. And then I also want to talk a little bit about kind of maybe what you guys think are uh, some criteria for Oregon's next offensive coordinator. Because I put a tweet out earlier at mTorres Sports where you can lock in with me. And I thought that that was definitely uh, it got some interesting uh, interesting responses for sure. So I think starting for uh, the offensive coordinator, looking at some names here, let's just look uh, internally and see what options Oregon has already on the staff. I think one name that has been thrown around a little bit is Junior Adams. He is the wide receiver coach and the co-offensive coordinator at Oregon currently. Uh, before he got to Oregon, he was on staff at Washington, and he actually served as the interim uh, offensive coordinator after Jimmy Lake was fired. Um, Jimmy Lake and John Donovan, I should say, after they were fired last year for the Huskies. So he does have some experience as uh, an offensive coordinator, also served on uh, the Western Kentucky um, staff as an offensive coordinator. So I think when you're looking for an offensive coordinator in an ideal scenario, you have someone who has offensive coordinator experience you want someone who has some experience calling plays in an ideal scenario um and then to talk a little bit more about junior adams you know he's a west coast guy has ties in the bay area of course um and uh, was also at eastern washington where he worked with cooper cup so he has a strong track record as as far as you know working with his position but we haven't necessarily seen him have a lot of success as an offensive coordinator. And that's not criticizing him by any means. It's just a, a matter of fact uh, when it comes to looking at his body of work. Uh, but during his time as a coach, the, the wide receivers have been a strength for Oregon. Uh, obviously, Troy Franklin has come on really strong as the leading wide receiver in Eugene this year. Um, Dante Thornton played well in his limited action before he said that he was going to be entering the transfer portal. Chase Cota was a strong addition who played well throughout the year, battled some injuries late down the season. Chris Hudson has played better this year. So I think that, you know, that's definitely a net positive from the on-field product that we saw last year. And I think a big part of that has to do with how much more willing this offense was to pass the ball than a year ago. And um, what was I going to say? And then now moving forward, you have to see what the offense is going to look like and, and what the wide receiver room is going to look like. Uh, Junior Adams has also been uh, a tremendous recruiter for Oregon, uh, landing a couple pieces after getting hired on the Ducks staff, Justice Lowe, Caleb Chapman, uh, Chase Cota, Kyler Casper. And then in 2023, the Ducks have some strong wide receivers in the fold as well, uh, looking at uh, guys like Jurion Dickey and, and Ashton Cozart. It's figured that they're probably going to try to add a couple guys there. So, Junior Adams is a guy that's gotten uh, thrown around a little bit uh, so far uh, since the um, since the uh, departure of Kenny Dillingham. Uh, Adams also had some experience um, at uh, the high school level um, as a as a um, coach as well in the state of Washington. So we all know that Washington is an up and coming state on the recruiting trail, and I think that that would be uh, obviously some good connections to tap into for sure. But Junior Adams is another guy that we're kind of looking at from the internal aspect, internal side of things when we're looking at Oregon's next possible offensive coordinator. So he's a name that has popped up a little bit early on in this search. And it's a search, right, that a lot of people believe, and I think reasonably so, needs to happen pretty quickly. Um, not only because of the early signing period, but I think also because a big question mark for Oregon even in the bowl game, but really looking the next season is quarterback Bo Nix. Is he going to come back? Is he going to pursue a pro career in the NFL? I'm of the belief that he's probably played his last game as a duck, given how high his draft stock was compared to his time at Auburn and the fact that he finished the regular season a little bit banged up. Uh, I don't see from his point of view how much value you can get from playing in a bowl game, uh, especially if you're already banged up. But that's another conversation. Just thought that was an important aspect to add here as Oregon enters the search for an offensive coordinator that's been going on for two days now, maybe more, uh, depending on when Kenny Dillingham actually decided that he was going to be taking that job. A lot of people are speculating, you know, whether um, whether uh, he was already out the door by the time they were in that Oregon State game. 
All right, the second name we're going to be looking at for Oregon's next offensive coordinator, staying internal, is um, Drew Merringer. Drew Merringer is the tight ends coach at Oregon, and we've seen the the tight ends group um, definitely get a lot better this year. And I, I don't even know part of it, like they've definitely gotten better, but they also just weren't utilized like at all outside of a blocking perspective um, last year under Mario Cristobal. Uh, so I thought that that was kind of something to maybe keep in mind when we're talking about Drew Merringer and, and his, his um, you know, acumen and, and maybe making his case to become Oregon's next offensive coordinator. Again, with Drew Merringer, I think you do have a major check mark. Uh, he checks a big box box when we're looking at kind of his resume, and that is offensive coordinator experience. He has offensive coordinator experience at Rutgers back in 2016, where he was the youngest offensive coordinator uh, in the Power Five at the time. Also has a offensive coordinator experience at James Madison, and he was a co-offensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. And then he was also uh, out in the Lone Star State at Texas as a passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach. So I think you have, you know, some good experience there for Drew Maringer uh, to, to kind of become this, this next guy. But I'm just interested to see if they really are going to stay on staff. I think another thing you have to consider when you're looking at possible um, possible candidates for Oregon's offensive coordinator is what's the connection to Dan Lanning or what are the connections to other guys on the staff, right? Um, because, you know, another person who's probably going to play a big role in figuring out who Oregon's next offensive coordinator is, is um, Marshall Malko, the chief of staff uh, under for Dan Lanning at Oregon. Um, so yeah, chief of staff, he's going to have some kind of a role here. Uh, definitely has an extensive you know time in, in the college football ranks and helped uh, sign some really, really elite recruiting classes during his time at, at Texas A&M. And then I believe he was at Georgia too, but I know for a fact he was at A&M before he got to Oregon. Um, so, so Drew Maringer is kind of an interesting one to, to, you know, discuss and kind of view here uh, in the grand scheme of things and, and who Oregon is looking at to become their, their next uh, offensive coordinator. Um, so I don't have a ton more to talk about with Drew Merringer. Um, you know, as for his time as a recruiter, uh, Oregon does have Kenyon Sadiq in the fold in 2023. He's listed as an athlete, the number three commit on Oregon's 2023 recruiting rankings right now. Um, and his stock just continues to climb after an awesome senior year out in Idaho. So I think he's, you know, it's a little hard to evaluate because you don't take a bunch of tight ends necessarily in one class. But I've been very pleased with what we've seen from the tight end group. Uh, with, with Terrence Ferguson, Maliki Machaval, Patrick Herbert, uh, and, and um, Cam McCormick as well, you know, just to name some guys. Um, so let's see uh, what we have for our next candidate, next possible candidate. This one is, and I also wanted to preface, some of these names aren't entirely realistic, but they're coming up, uh, you know, as we're searching for names of our possibilities uh, maybe some of them are dream scenarios or long shots. So just because we're talking about them on the show doesn't necessarily mean that they are a super realistic option or that we have intel that Oregon is looking into them seriously. The next guy I want to talk about is Brian Hartline. I think Brian Hartline is a very attractive name for an offensive coordinator at Oregon because uh, Ohio State, um, Ohio State's uh, offense has been pretty tremendous. Uh, during his time on the staff, um, they've put out a lot of really big time wide receiver talent. During his time on the staff, he played at Ohio State. Uh, you look at guys like uh, Mike Thomas uh, that, that are in the NFL, and there, there's a bunch of really solid guys on the roster currently at Ohio State. That's a position that just stays loaded all the time uh, for, for the Buckeyes. Uh, he's currently the passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach, went to Ohio State, graduated in 2009. Uh, he's from Canton, and he's been at Ohio State since 2017, and he has NFL experience. So he's going he's gonna to make it super easy to pitch wide receivers to come to Oregon. Uh, obviously, he's very experienced at the college and NFL levels, and that's something that a lot of people are looking for, a lot of recruits are looking for when they come uh, and choose their, their school of choice. Uh, as high school recruits. Um, so I think he checks the box as, as an elite recruiter 
and uh, has definitely been one of the better wide receiver coaches in the, the country so far during his time with the Buckeyes and Ryan Day. And maybe there's a little bit of an opening from, from Oregon's perspective because Ohio State is having a, quote, down year uh, with, with back-to-back losses to Michigan from 2021 to 2022. Doesn't look like they're going to make the playoff. Uh, and I feel like some people are asking questions uh, about Ryan Day and seeing where where he's at and where the where the Buckeyes are at uh, heading into this next season. Uh, I know that I saw a picture of Ryan Day out on Twitter when he was um, starting home visits. So that's kind of another separate talking point now as we get into the month of December ahead of the early signing period is a lot of these coaches are going to be hitting the road to visit some of their top commits and recruits. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's see. Maybe we can get to some of these uh, questions and comments um, and see what you guys are uh, are thinking. All right, so let's see. Brooks says, don't know how realistic it is, but I want the current offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, Zach Kitley, 31 years old, Texas native. Yeah, I think Texas Tech has, is a school that has really been known for its offenses for, for quite a while, right? Whether you're looking at um, Mike Leach, uh, Lincoln Riley was, was on that staff at a certain time, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, looks like Zach Kitley helped uh, develop Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be someone that you're obviously always going to turn your attention to. You want a guy, I think, that can can work with the quarterback position. Um, and maybe that's part of the criteria that we maybe alluded to a little bit earlier. You know, do you want a guy that is, is also a quarterback's coach? Like, is that something, a box that you have to check when you're looking for your next uh, offensive coordinator? Um, I think that Kitley is definitely, you know, he's, he's obviously got a good track record with some of these quarterbacks that he's worked with. Um, he's worked with Graham Harrell. Uh, looks like he also worked with Case Keenum while he was, um, while he was in the, in the college level. Um, you know, let's see what else we got here. I'm just looking at his, uh, looking at his, you know, bio here on uh, Texas Tech's website. Um, yeah, and here's another guy that, that uh, Kitley has worked with, uh, Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi w- was definitely a, a strong, definitely a strong uh, quarterback at the college level. You know, Western Kentucky's offense is one of the, I think, it was the leading passing attack in in 2022. So, I think that's definitely encouraging. But you also probably want an offensive coordinator that is willing to have a um, is willing to have you know a balanced offensive approach. You don't want him to lean maybe one way or another. And I thought that was something that Kenny Dillingham did well during his time at Oregon is that their Oregon was still a run first team, but they were so much more willing to pass than they had been in the past two, three, four years uh, under Mario Cristobal when, when he was there. So you want a guy that's going to be able to get these weapons involved and, and not be too narrow minded uh, in his offensive approach. So I think maybe that would be the only thing to maybe think about with, with Kitley here is, is you don't want him to be too, too pass heavy, but I think he would definitely be, um, an interesting guy to have on staff. Um, he's, it says here, the architect behind one of the nation's top offenses this past two years at both Houston Baptist and Western Kentucky. That was his first season at Texas Tech as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So something that maybe comes to mind as you're in this coaching search is how quickly do guys want to be on the move? You know, how willing are they to, you know, they have to pick up their family sometimes, you know, pick up their wife and kids and and move them across the country. But I think one reason that Oregon fans should be confident in this hire as we're kind of in this moment of uncertainty for the program is that Oregon is one of those heavy hitter schools. You know, the coaches and recruits talk about it all the time. You go on the road and and everyone knows that that, that O means something, you know, that it's, it's Nike university, you know, it's, it's the Marcus Mariota uh, you know, the team that Marcus Mariota played for that D'Anthony Thomas played for. So as much as I think, Oregon needs to make a statement and do something that helps them become more relevant now. Um, I think that having things like that, that, you know, help you get into any conversation. This is one of the most attractive jobs in college football. It's not like they're going to have to go beg somebody to be the offensive coordinator at Oregon. I'm sure that there's a bunch of guys that Lanning's calling, right? You know, he talked during his introductory press conference about, you know, being, kind of writing and preparing himself for this moment, having that list of coaches that he wants to call, um, you know, looking at his coaching tree, keeping track of it. 
Um, so there's going to be a lot of guys that Lenny's calling, that Oregon's calling, but there's also going to be some that are calling Oregon, right? And they're expressing that interest. So I think that's definitely an important thing to to keep in mind here um, as you as you kind of navigate this coaching search uh, if, if you're a Duck fan. All right. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? Um, Raymond says Frosty might be a help for offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this is an interesting, um, you know, an interesting name because obviously Scott Frost, well, when he was at Nebraska, it was very much an underwhelming, you know, experience. Um, it, it obviously didn't go well because he got fired, and now Matt Rule is the new head coach at Nebraska, but Scott Frost, to his credit, when he was at Oregon was a huge success. And when he was at UCF, uh, he led a really, really strong team. And I think another thing to consider for this coaching search for offensive coordinator is, and I I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was some point that someone made on a a show the other day, not the other day, a while ago, that's really kind of resonated with me. They were talking about what makes Nick Saban such a great coach uh, among other head coaches, but it's the ability to bring in former head coaches for a smaller role. And I think doing that with, with Scott Frost, for example, with some other guys we're going to talk about um, bringing a former head coach in to focus on one side of the ball is definitely, you know, an advantage for you. Or even if you bring in a head coach, a former head coach for a smaller role, like an analyst or something or quality control, like that's a luxury. Um, So I think while Oregon's trying to bring some of these guys in, you also kind of want to think about just as a head coach for Dan Lanning, you kind of want to become, you know, a breeding ground for successful coordinators, not because you want to lose your coordinators, but just because you have a good culture, a good development, plan in place for your coordinators. So Scott Frost is infamous for, um, wasn't he the coach that said you can't recruit to Eugene, which I just thought was hilarious, uh, especially when you consider how how much success Oregon has had on the recruiting trail in the past couple of years. So maybe that would be a red flag if you want to call it that with Scott Frost is, are you going to have a guy that is willing to recruit, willing to put his nose to the grindstone? Because, I mean, Scott Frost got fired, but I'm pretty sure that dude's just raking in money right now uh, from his buyout by the Cornhuskers. So uh, that's another thing to consider is, you know, is he is does he want to stay in coaching or is he kind of okay, you know, just chilling uh, now that he got a lot of money? Um, But he does have, you know, some accolades. He was the consensus national coach of the year in 2017, Bear Bryant coach of the year, Home Depot coach of the year. I'm assuming this is his year with UCF uh, with guys like Mackenzie Milton. So I think he has a strong track record, but um, uh, I, I wonder if it makes sense. You know, does a reunion make sense for Scott Frost? It kind of makes me think a little bit about when Chip Kelly's name was getting brought up in the uh, Chip Kelly's name was getting brought up in the head coaching search for Oregon last year. And I, my kind of thought on that was, are you really w- risking willing to risk capturing lightning in a bottle twice because he was a revolutionary head coach at Oregon. And then the rest of the college football world kind of caught up to him. I'm not saying it's the same case with Scott Frost, but because he's already been at Oregon, I wonder if that is, uh, if if that's something as well. All right. So let's, let's continue. Let's continue uh, with some of these other names. Then I'll try to get to some questions and comments that you guys had. Cause some of the guys that you mentioned, I was already going to talk about. So let's keep on rolling. All right, let's see. So the next name that I want to um, that I want to get into is Dan Mullen. Uh, I think that he's a name that's been uh, popping up a little bit more here these past couple of days in connection with the the Oregon offensive coordinator vacancy. He was the head coach at Florida from 2018 to 2021. And then we know that he was at the head coach at Mississippi State from 2009 to 2017 the Florida offensive coordinator and quarterback from two quarterbacks coach from 2005 to 2008, you know, during Dan Mullen's time at Mississippi state, they did, uh, you know, rise to number one in the, uh, in the rankings for a time. And he was working with Dak Prescott. So I think Dan Mullen definitely checks that box in terms of being a guy who has experience working with quarterbacks. And that's one that I think a lot of fans 
uh, want. Uh, and that's a criteria for them, you know, something that they want in their next offensive coordinator. The thing with Dan Mullen is, you know, during his time as a, as a coach in the college ranks, I think he was kind of known, had the reputation as one of the brighter offensive minds. But I think one of the reasons that he ultimately got fired by Florida was because he wasn't cutting it on the recruiting trail. And I think that you have to ask yourself, you know, what are the differences between recruiting as a head coach and recruiting as an offensive coordinator? Because we all know how important it is to recruit a quarterback in today's age of college football. If you can't get a good quarterback to your team, to your school, you are in a load of trouble, whether that's out of the high school ranks, whether that's out of the transfer portal. I think you need to get a guy that knows how to recruit and is willing to put in the time on the recruiting trail. So I'm not saying that's necessarily a red flag with Dan Mullen, but you kind of know what you're getting yourself into if you do bring him in as an offensive coordinator. And there's going to be, you know, pluses and minuses, pros and cons with, with all of these candidates that Oregon is looking at, right? There's no perfect offensive coordinator that is currently out there for Oregon right now. I feel like there's going to be some kind of holes we can poke. For Dillingham, you can look at some of the red zone play calls, some of the fourth down play calls, not going for it on fourth down, but the uh, the play calls on fourth down. I'm looking at Troy Franklin's, uh, you know, sweep uh, against Oregon State uh, among some other calls. I'm looking at Bo Nix's third, third down uh, QB keeper call that got him hurt uh, against Washington. You know, plays like that definitely make you ask some questions. But I think with, with Dan Mullen's head coaching experience, he's he's – has head coaching experience and coaching experience in general in the SEC. Sometimes that's overvalued, but let's be honest, the SEC is the gold standard of college football. So I don't think you're ever hurting yourself when you're looking at guys that have a lot of experience in the Southeast. Um, so I think he's, he's an interesting candidate to look at for sure. Uh, has been spending the past year as a, a broadcast analyst with ESPN, but maybe he's looking to get back into coaching. You, you never know. All right. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about, let's see, let's look at Joe Brady. Joe Brady is another name that I think in all honesty, probably is a long shot folks, but I'm seeing his name quite a bit, uh, in, you know, social media circles and, and on the internet. So let's talk about him. Let's talk about Joe Brady, the Buffalo Bills quarterback coach, uh, and kind of where he's been these past couple of years. Um, so he's with the Bills right now. This is his first season with the Bills, obviously working with Josh Allen. He is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. The Bills offense is really, really good. Um, I think, you know, Stephon Diggs has played a huge role in that. And um, having a quarterbacks coach like Joe Brady is obviously a big help. He was the offensive coordinator for two years with the Panthers from 2020 to 2021. And uh, it wasn't pretty, folks. I mean, Christian McCaffrey did everything he could to try to will that team forward. Uh, now he's on my 49ers, by the way. So shout out to Christian McCaffrey. But I think that the uh, NFL experiment, at least to start, it did not get off to a hot start for Joe Brady uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Some people thought he might have been fired too quickly. But either way, you know, in the NFL and really in college, but I think even more so in the NFL, you're going to be asked to deliver. And if you can't deliver, you're going to, you know, get the boot. So, um, so that's where he was been. And where he really made a name for himself uh, was at LSU when he was the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach in 2019 with, with Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, you just had a loaded, loaded offense. And really, I think what some people consider to be one of the one of the best offenses, one of the best teams that college football has ever seen. That offense was just, you know, they could do no wrong, it felt like. Um, and I think that you want a guy that has, you know, some experience, obviously, uh, on the with the passing offense, because I think Oregon's offensive weapons have been super underutilized through the air. Not so much this year, but the success this year shows you how much they were underutilized last year, if that point resonates. Um, but it's always tough when you're looking at these NFL names, you know, do you, do they want to come back down to the college ranks? Do they want to deal with recruiting? Do they want to deal with 
the transfer portal? Do they want to deal with uh, name, image, and likeness? There's so many things, I think, that have changed about the college game between the last time that Joe, that, uh, Joe Brady was in the college ranks and now. So I think those are all very legitimate questions that are going to be asked uh, and or you need to be asked um, you need to be asking him when any NFL name pops up. Um, I know that that Urban Meyer was like a dark horse name uh, as a head coach last year, but um, you know I think I can th- say thankfully uh, that didn't happen because we all know what a what a disaster that was in, in Jacksonville and definitely not a culture fit uh, in, in Eugene. I think you could say so. I see the uh, you know the appeal with Joe Brady as you know a pretty smart offensive mind. But I don't see him as one of the more likely candidates at this time. Um, he was also the Broyles Award winner in 2019, so he's definitely a decorated college coach. Uh, but I'm going to be interested to see if, if there ultimately ends up being any traction with Joe Brady. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's see who else we got. We got a couple more that we're going to talk about here on this episode. So keep those comments and questions coming and I'll do my best to get to them. All right. The next guy we're going to be talking about is maybe a little bit of a long shot again, but I think it's an an exciting name and someone that is definitely at least worth a call. Let's talk about Brennan Marion. Brennan Marion is the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach at Texas. He was formerly at uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, he directed one of the nation's most explosive offenses in 2021, worked with Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner from 2021. He's now at USC. Um, Definitely been some huge, huge names uh, at Texas under Marion. Uh, you have Jonte Cook, who's committed in 2023. Oregon was going after him for a while. You know, Marion's a young guy, and I think he definitely brings a lot of excitement and, and innovation to uh, you know any offense. Um, and and he's definitely an, an exciting name, right? Um, he was he also is a guy that has offensive coordinator experience. He was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Howard University. 2017 and 2018. He was also the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at William and Mary in 2019. So he had, you know, he's a young guy who's definitely going to be willing to get after it on the recruiting trail. Um, I'm going to look a little bit at uh, Texas's offense um, so far this year. Um, so let me, let me pull those up. All right, here we go. Let's see. Okay. And it's good. Yeah. Again, you know, he's the first, it was his first year with Texas. So it's, it might be kind of hard to, you know, to, to pull him out of the Lone Star State. Xavier Worthy was the leading receiver this year with, with almost 700 yards receiving. Jordan Whittington, another guy that I really liked covering on the recruiting trail, uh, 608 yards. And then uh, Jatavion Sanders, 577 yards. So, I think that that he's a good name to look at. I thought he was one of the more exciting guys that was available last year um, before he became a member of Texas's coaching staff. Um, but he's again, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard pull. But I think that if you have a name like that on your staff, 
him and Brennan and Junior Adams on staff, uh, man, Oregon's receiver talent would be absolutely through the roof. I mean, the, the things that those guys could do together on the recruiting trail would be very, very, very exciting. Um, so I think that that's why I put him on this list uh, to maybe be someone that you could that you could get uh, maybe to, to become your offensive coordinator, but we'll have to see. All right, the next guy I'm going to talk about, let's talk about Garrett Riley. Uh, Travis just asked about him, and he was the last guy on my list that I wanted to talk about, and then I'm going to go through some of these comments and questions and see what you guys are thinking. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I didn't know that Garrett Riley was Lincoln's younger brother literally until today when I was editing a story about, uh, you know, our hot board story over on Ducks Digest that, uh, you know, listed out some of these guys. Um, so he just, um, you know, he just joined the TCU staff, the TCU program in December 2021 as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, he was previously under Sonny Dykes at SMU, where he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And then he played college football, played his college football at Texas Tech. So it was still definitely a, a younger coach. Um, but he also worked with the offense at, at East Carolina and worked with guys like Zay Jones, um, who is on the Bills now, or he was at least drafted by the Bills. I'm not sure if he's still there. He might be on the Raiders now, now that I think about it. But he is one of the one of the more exciting names right now, you know, a younger guy. Uh, as far as, you know, a, a offensive coordinator candidate. Um, but man, the, the, the long, the, not the long, I almost said the Longhorns, the Horn Frogs, excuse me, TCU, they are killing it right now, which again, kind of makes me put him in the long shot uh, category a little bit because they're playing so well. Um, you know, what comes with success is kind of twofold. I think sometimes it's stability and then sometimes it is, uh, you know, coaches, schools coming after your coaching staff. Like that's literally what happened with Oregon. Their offense was playing amazing this year. So Arizona State came calling and, and took Kenny Dillingham. So you have a younger guy. I like his experience. You know, he checks the boxes as a former OC and quarterbacks coach. Max Duggan has had a really good season for the Horn Frogs. You know, their offense has been really, really, really strong. Um, so I think he's someone that's definitely worth a call again, might be a little bit of a tough pull away from, uh, TCU, um, with, with how well they're playing, they could be going, they very well could be going to the playoffs since they're still undefeated. So I thought that that was interesting. Uh, again, another good comment here from Travis money talks. And I think Oregon has it to offer. Plus think about the media draw Riley versus Riley. Yeah, Oregon was on a collision course with USC the whole year to, to meet up in the Pac-12 title game. And then they dropped the ball and lost some crucial games. And now they're not in the uh, Pac-12 title game. But I totally agree, Travis. I think that that would, be, that would make some really, really good storylines. Um, we would have some pretty cool showdowns between Oregon and, and, and USC. You know, Dan Lenning's a defensive guy going up against Lincoln Riley, an offensive guy. And who's he got by his side? He's got Garrett Riley. Uh, brother of, of Lincoln Riley. Um, so I thought that I think that would definitely be a very interesting dynamic if uh, Garrett Riley were to be on the staff at Oregon as the new offensive coordinator. All right, let's see. Marcus asked an interesting question with regard to recruiting. Marcus asks, do they ask Dante Moore whose offense he likes, like allow him to have a say? I don't know if you necessarily, I, I'm sure you run some names by him, but you know, Dante Moore's opinion isn't going to determine who Oregon hires. And I don't think anybody thinks that. I don't think you're asking that in your question, but I think that if you're Oregon, if you're Dan Landing and this coaching staff, I, I don't see any harm in running some of these names by Dante Moore and, and seeing maybe some guys that he's excited about. I think you kind of want to, to a degree you want, uh, an offensive coordinator that can have some schematic continuity or some system continuity from, from Kenny Dillingham to this year, you know, some of that spread uh, RPO stuff um, that, that worked really well. And I think can work under Dante Moore's skill set once he gets to Oregon, because Dante Moore isn't necessarily a dual threat guy, 
but he's capable of hurting you with these legs and he is definitely a supreme athlete, but he is definitely a really strong pocket passer and he's capable of taking off to hurt you with his legs. So I think you, you asked Dante Moore, but I don't think that it's going to, you know, be a, you know, a game breaker or a, a you know, decision maker in this, and this coaching search, because I said it yesterday, I think, or a couple of days ago when I was talking about this, Oregon has to move quickly, but you don't want to make your offensive coordinator for want to save one recruiting class, much less one individual recruit. So I see where your head's at, Marcus, and I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, Mark says a follow-up comment, just feel like involving him in the process would make him feel better about his guy, quote unquote, leaving. Yeah, I think that getting him involved is, is definitely a smart step to take um, because Kenny Dillingham was one of the primary reasons that he committed to Oregon as the offensive coordinator and, and you know quarterbacks coach. Um, so if you get a guy that has a lot of experience developing quarterbacks, I think that that can really help put more at ease. Uh, and someone who is, you know, an innovator or someone who is uh, creative, uh, I think that that would, would definitely help. Uh, Nick P says, I don't think they need to ask more. He obviously fell in love with Dilly and his style of play. We need youngish and similar play style in my view. Yeah. What do you guys think about this? Cause I think, and I've been listening to some other Oregon shows. I think I was listening to the duck territory guys. They do a great job. I was listening to them earlier today and they brought up an interesting question and maybe this kind of goes into the criteria. Maybe we can switch into that a little bit. What, what criteria we would maybe think makes sense for Oregon's next offensive coordinator. So when you think about offenses, explosive offenses, I think a lot of times you think about, you know, okay, you want a young, innovative, creative guy um, for your offensive coordinator, you know, someone, someone who's going to push the envelope and, you know, just really keep people on their toes. But look at the situation with Oregon. I think you have a first-year head coach in Dan Lanning. Maybe it makes sense to bring in someone who's a little bit more experienced, you know, someone who's been in college football for a while. You know, someone, does it make sense to, I'm just posing the question. I'm not saying this is how I feel. Does it make sense to bring in someone who is more experienced, who can kind of help maybe guide Dan Lanning on this on this path uh, as a head coach, as he you know, becomes more mature and, you know, learns more about things. And maybe that's kind of where it comes into like what I was talking about earlier, having former head coaches that don't need to be head coaches at your school. They come in in a smaller role, like a coordinator, like an analyst, something like that. Um, so I think that I definitely agree with the point about having a similar ish play style, because if you bring in a guy that wants to completely overhaul the offense and do something totally different, it's going to make it harder, I think, to, to sell uh, to sell that guy, uh, you know, to Dante Moore or, you know, have have some of that fit that, that maybe makes sense. So I think that I, I agree trying to maybe have a guy that's a little bit younger, someone who's going to recruit and uh, with a similar play style. Um, let's see. Travis, uh, Travis asked, does Dan go, does Dan want an older OC that might try to push his way too much though? Um, that's an interesting point. I think another thing that you have to ask yourself is, you know, and it's hard to tell, I think, unless you straight up ask Dan Lanning, you're not really going to know necessarily how much of a say he had in the offense this year. Because with Mario Cristobal last year, it was very clear how much of a say he had in the offense because Oregon's offense got predictable and unwilling to pass the ball. Um, and I think Anthony Brown caught a lot of heat for that. But you don't necessarily want a coach that can't get out of their own way, isn't willing to adapt. I think that's something with youth creativity and uh, adaptability. I feel like a lot of those, I feel like those words are very closely linked when it comes to the coaching search and the coaching uh, coaching tree and whatnot. So I think that maybe is a risk that you run. Maybe you're just thinking of, you know, old, old grumpy people that, that, you know, don't want to, you know, get out of the way. Um, so I think that that's an interesting angle to, to look at. Um, I want to go through some of the responses that I got to um to a tweet that I put out earlier and just kind of use it to start some conversation. 
So let me let me go ahead and share my screen here. I got just about half a million tabs open. Um, so let me go ahead and just try to make this clean a little bit. All right. Here we go. So I put out a tweet earlier at mTorres Sports is where you can find me. The most important on Twitter, the most important criteria for Oregon's offensive coordinator are. And I'm going to go ahead and read through some of these. Uh, they don't have a dream school or alma mater with coaches who might get fired. Uh, consistency is what Ray said. Play calling was horrendous this year. Cost us plenty. Uh, DNA Ducks says three things. Knows how to maximize the talent of the roster. Sees the game as more than a single moment and knows how to read a defense and adjust accordingly. Uh, another another comment on consistency, um, or I guess loyalty maybe. Braden says, us being their final destination. Mike says, quarterback development. Um, someone said, hire one ASAP. Passing and quarterback development. The offensive line is an important development issue also. Um, I'm not sure which Oregon team this person's been watching. The offensive line, I think, has been awesome at Oregon. Um, although maybe it got, it didn't play a great game against Oregon state, but there was one that I wanted to, to talk about. Uh, I think the one about maximizing the talent on the roster is, uh, is definitely an interesting one to, to look at because that's part of the reason I think that Oregon's defense may be underachieved a little bit this year. You talk about a new staff coming in and not having necessarily quote unquote, their guys to work with. Well, sometimes that's just not the reality of the situation that you find yourself in. And I think it's a mark of a good coach that's able to recognize, hey, maybe this isn't the ideal situation. Maybe these aren't the guys that I would, uh, you know, choose to recruit. But I know that these guys are still talented. They have different strengths and weaknesses. It's my job to go figure out how we can best utilize those strengths. Um, so I think a lot of that adaptability and moldability comes in, you know, when your game plan doesn't work, that was another one that I saw, you know, when your primary game plan doesn't work, you know, how do you operate? How do you work when you get punched in the mouth and you can't run the ball? You know, maybe that's something worth asking because Oregon wasn't really able to run the ball against Utah and Kenny Dillingham had to get creative to think of a recent example, right? So they, they had to get creative and, uh, you know, try to look at some other options, you know, what other ways could they, could they go about tackling um, you know, their, their offensive approach. So yeah, more than a single moment, I think is big. Another one that I saw that I remember was uh, aggressive, but not a reckless. I thought that was an interesting response. Um, okay. This was one of those comments. This is from Bryce uh, that I was mentioning earlier, adaptability. How do they adjust when their game plan's not working? Um, but I think that yeah, the, the aggressiveness is, is one that I think is is going to be important because Oregon's offense got too conservative in, in the past couple of years. Um, and we saw how some of the aggressiveness really panned out for them this year, you know, pushing the ball down the field, taking, you know, a quick tempo approach uh, at times. I thought that was really big. Um but yeah, being aggressive is is definitely an important thing in, in Oregon's next offensive coordinator because you want someone that's going to put the faith in the quarterback, put the faith in the players, and you're hoping more often than not that it pays off. For, for Oregon, it was kind of a mixed bag during the regular season. You know, you're pretty fired up when, um, when it worked for Oregon. And then you have times like against Oregon State when you go over five and you end up, uh, you know, sputtering as an offense and then, you know, you're not able to put up more points in, in you know, the second half necessarily or in the fourth quarter. Uh, but the, we all know that that loss against Oregon state was not on the offense, but the offense isn't entirely free uh, from blame. Um, let's see. This is a good comment. Um, Fly Rothstein. Philly Rothstein says, don't get fancy in the red zone. That's how you lose winnable games, Game you ha games you have zero business losing. I know that Kenny Dillingham was definitely criticized towards the back half of the season on, uh, on his uh, calls in the red zone. So that obviously didn't really help him um, or help the Ducks. 
so yeah, I think a lot with this, I mean, not even necessarily just getting fancy in the red zone, but you don't have to get fancy when it doesn't call for it, you know, take what the defense gives you. I think that that's definitely an underrated aspect uh, in today's offenses, especially, um, you know, some of those more creative explosive ones. Uh, someone else said recruiter, recruiter, recruiter uh, as an important thing. Um, <laughs> this person said punting when 70 yards away and it's fourth down. Uh, so that's, again, back to the aggressiveness and, and the fourth down calls. Um, staying, a lot of people are talking about staying. And and I don't know. I think that we talked about this after, you know, after Dillingham took the Arizona State job. I think it's also a mark of a good coach with how much they're able to navigate the coaching carousel and navigate the hiring process. When guys come so other schools come in and take your assistance, how well do you respond? How well are you able to think on your feet and, you know, have some of these backup options in place? And and that's not something that is, that's something that is easier said than done. I think consistency is, is almost a myth. Uh, stability rather is almost a myth in today's college football there's only a handful of schools that really have any sort of stability. And oftentimes it's the head coach who is the most stable. And then, you know, they're just great at hiring and their system works and uh, they can, you know, achieve at a high level. So I, I understand where people are coming from because they don't want to get burned by someone leaving Oregon again for a dream job at an alma mater type of a deal. But it's, it's obviously just something that you're going to have to deal with, honestly, at this point. You know, I don't think Oregon has ascended to that point where they're immune to, um, you know, some of these crazy things, the coaching carousel, uh, you know, happening before the, the season is necessarily even over. Um, but I think that uh, this, this hire is, is definitely important for Dan Lanning because it can be a growing moment for him as a coach. You know, you're put in an uncomfortable situation. You're getting punched in the mouth, so to speak, by someone coming for a guy on your staff. And now you got to pivot and see what other options you have. Um, so we're going to have to follow who Oregon ultimately ends up hiring. You know, a lot of people think that it's going to happen uh, within the week, or that's or rather that that's the timeline that they need it to happen. But uh, obviously, time is of the essence uh, for Bo Nix. Seeing what he wants to do, maybe he's already made his decision. We don't know yet. We have to stay tuned. Um, and then we also obviously have the early signing period and then you want to make sure you can try to stay, um, you can hang on to Dante Moore, uh, or if you have, and you know, if you have to go look for another quarterback that you have somebody that you can, you know, sell these recruits on or sell these transfers on. So it's a crazy time for, for Oregon football without a doubt. Um, and you know, we're just here to cover all of it as much as we possibly can and, you know, to engage with you guys and talk with you guys. Um, so if you're here in, in the live stream, make sure to hit that like button for me and hit the subscribe button. We're on the road to 2000 subscribers here on YouTube. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtaurussports. Find more of my written content, including the latest in Oregon recruiting at ducksdigest.com. And then do me a huge favor and share the show. Share the show with your friends, your family, and other Duck fans. Any support is greatly appreciated. Appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to uh, tune in and talk some duck football with me. Uh, I could do this all day, and uh, I'm definitely grateful that I get to do this. So without with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great night, and we will see you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.